Praise the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Message tonight, gazelle, arise. Let's go to Acts chapter 9, 36 to 42. I trust you can appreciate the word tonight. Acts 9, 36. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. Well, Tabitha is Aramaic. It literally means gazelle. Dorcas is Greek. It literally means gazelle. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room, and since Lida was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter rose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Gazelle, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. Hallelujah. Dorcas, gazelle, a woman, it says, that was full of good works and charitable deeds which she did. She made dresses for widows. She made coats and garments for single moms and their kids. She sewed and knitted for orphans and needy children. My question tonight is, how did she get her name in the book? I mean, there's nothing overly impressive about what she did. No signs and wonders, no healing miracles, no reports of testimonies of healing, no mighty works and miracles. Pretty ordinary stuff, fairly ordinary stuff. Sewing and knitting, helping the poor and underprivileged, handing out backpacks, making sure that children were clothed and widows were comforted and blessed. It's fairly easy to just skim over this passage in the book of Acts and get on with Peter and Paul. Persecutions and imprisonments and perils and trials and gospel riots and breaking open cities for the gospel and miracles and healings. We might pass over Dorcas, but God didn't. He said, Luke, you're writing the book of Acts. Don't leave this out. You make sure that story's in there. A woman full of good works, of the Holy Spirit and charitable deeds. I want people to know how much I value people that serve like this. She had other duties and responsibilities, obviously. But in her spare time, she was busy serving the Lord and looking how she could minister to people and bless them and lift them up and clothe them and provide some comfort and warmth. Simple task, we say, but 
how important to the Lord. Or 1 Corinthians 12, 28. What about this scripture? And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings. Helps. Administrations. King James says governments. Governments. You know, the worship department of a local church is a government. Anointed musicians that carry the anointing and worship and breakthrough anointing, that's a government in the house of God. The children's ministry is a government in the house of God. A Holy Ghost administration. The youth department is a government in the house of the Lord. Youth that are on fire for the Lord. Sons and daughters that know how to prophesy and carry the word and fire of God. There are governments in the house. On a larger scale, there are governments in the world. That's a Holy Ghost move of God. Something like we heard about this morning, the Moravians. That's a government of God that goes forth in the earth with authority and power to bring change and life and direction, to receive for the Lamb the reward of his suffering, a Holy Ghost administration, a government varieties of tongues you know when you look at this list you know what is helps doing in a list like that is that a typo how did that fall into the text god says no that's no typo that's exactly how i want it helps is just as important and has its part among miracles and signs and wonders and governments and holy ghost ministry and that's how important our service and our work is. Anyone can help. Help in prayer. Help in giving. Help in serving. Help in practical duties. Help in sewing clothes. Help in giving out backpacks. Help in making some provision and food for those who are in need. God says that is right in there in my list of ministries and supernatural works and care for the saints. What do these show us? Number one, these scriptures and Dorcas life, it shows the value God places on good works. Acts 9, 9.39-41 again, Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed and turned to the body. He said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. You know, if we serve the Lord with all our heart, it just may be that we're going to live a longer life. It's good for your health to be involved in good works. Help people, give out garments and clothes, bless people. It may take you off a sick bed. It may take you off a deathbed. It'll give you a healing in times of need. Be such a good worker that God can't afford to lose you on the field of service. <laughs> Hallelujah. God says, that person is such a hard worker for me and for my kingdom and for the gospel and to help people. I'm going to heal that person. I'm going to raise them up. I'm going to bless them. 
Angels, get down there. They need some healing. Angels, get down there. Give them a raise. I don't care what it takes. I can't lose that person on the field of service. The Apostle Paul, wow, he was a worker. Philippians 1.21, Paul said, For me to live is Christ. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy of faith. It seems like the Apostle Paul was ready to go. Maybe he felt his time was over. But he said, you know what? He said, God's not going to take me to heaven yet. God's getting too much fruit off my life. He's not going to let me go. He said, Paul, I still need you down on the field. There's fruit. There's progress. There's joy that you can do in the lives of the saints. And so Paul had to live on another five or seven years because of his service. God says, I'm not taking you now. You're too important to me. You're too valuable. You're, too, you're doing too much good for my kingdom for me to take you out. You know, in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, there's a phrase that's repeated. Jesus says to the churches, I know your works. I know your works. Seven churches in the book of Revelation there was a specific message. Jesus said different things to each church, but one thing he said the same, I know your works. I know your works. Church at Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira, Laodicea, one thing I know about you, I know your works. I'm looking at your works, at your good works. Dorcas was full of good works and charitable deeds. Works must be supremely important. I know your works. And we understand from Scripture that they not only give benefit to people and bring benefit to the kingdom, there's a beneficial quality to our works, but there is also an evidential quality, that our works are the evidence of our faith. They are proof that we are alive, we've been born again, and we belong to Jesus Christ. Somebody who is truly born again wants to serve. They're addicted to service. They get restless, like the Apostle Paul, when there was nothing to do. I, I feel like i I, I got to find something to do. I've got to find somebody to help. Is there a prayer burden I can lift? Is there some scriptures I can memorize that I may need in the future? Is there somebody I can text or call? Is there some way I can get involved? That's a true servant of God. That's a true man or woman of God. Listen to the book of James, chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Well, not that kind of faith. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of, the, one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
It's not true saving faith at all. It's just mental assent. Faith without works is not true faith. It's dead. It's not alive. It's not active. It's not true Bible faith at all. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons have faith. But it's dead. Even the demons believe. They know there's a God. Even they have faith, but it's dead. It has no saving quality. It has no power. It doesn't inspire them because they're not, they don't, they're not born again. They don't have the living faith of God. But do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? It's not saving faith at all because somebody who is truly saved wants to serve and help and give and pour out their lives for the Lord. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Titus 2, 11 to 14, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Our good works are so important to the Lord. I know your works. Dork is full of good works, charitable deeds. Paul, I'm keeping you in the earth. I'm going to keep you alive a few more years. I need the fruit. You're bringing a lot of fruit for my kingdom and for my name. Second tonight, a gazelle is swift, light on its feet. The last thing we want to be found doing when we're serving the Lord is dragging our feet. A gazelle is swift. A gazelle is light on its feet. First Chronicles 12, 8, Some Gadites joined David at the stronghold in the wilderness. Mighty men of valor, men trained for battle, who could handle shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as gazelles on the mountain, as swift as mountain deer, as quick to do the command of David as that command came. 
There's a greater David. His name is Jesus Christ the Lord. Men and women that are as swift as the gazelles on the mountain, at his command we go. We're light on our feet. We're not heavy-hearted. It's not burdensome to serve the Lord. It's a joy to serve the Lord. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is in my heart. You know, we wouldn't normally think of the gazelle alongside of labor and good works. It would be more appropriate to think of a, an ox or a donkey, some beast of burden that's steady and strong. And there's a message there too, but the gazelle shows us the spirit, the spirit of how God wants us to serve, a spirit of joy and gladness, readiness, quick on our feet to do the will of the Lord. Psalm 100, verse 1 says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. We all have much opportunity to be involved with helps, with good works. We have specific callings and assignments of the Lord and we should be diligent and fruitful and faithful there. But there are many areas where our lives are the same. So we can serve in the prayer life, we can serve our family, we look after our children, we look after the domestic duties, we look after all kinds of areas where we can help and be a blessing. Those are the works of the Lord, and we serve the Lord with gladness. Everything we do is really a good work unto the Lord. Let's be full of good works charitable deeds, full of the Holy Spirit, full of joy and gladness. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Lord said in the book of Deuteronomy, said, because you did not serve the Lord with joyfulness and gladness of heart, you'll go into captivity. When people don't serve the Lord with gladness and joyfulness of heart, what happens? They go into captivity. They get burdened down. They get broken down. They get weary. They don't want to be involved anymore. But when you serve the Lord with the spirit of the gazelle, I'm going to be light on my feet. I'm going to be quick to do the bidding of the Lord. I'm going to rejoice that I have opportunity to serve God. All of a sudden, everything changes. Your life brightens, and you delight to do the will of the Lord. Tonight, how is your reputation among the saints? How is my reputation among the saints? I mean, it's one thing, how is my reputation before the Lord? I know your works. I know your works. How is my reputation before the saints? That when people speak of you and me, they speak of our good works, how we pour out our life, how we serve, how we pray, how we give, how we encourage, how we bless, how we build up, how we finance, how we're concerned for the name of Jesus Christ and for the kingdom of God. Will people be weeping when we pass away because of the hole left in the ministry and the care of the saints? Think about that. Like Dorcas, they all came, the saints and the widows, weeping because of all the good she had done to them and how she blessed them and cared for them. They knew they could find somebody that cared and would look after them. 
It takes time to build a reputation. Like Dorcas had. This isn't a few weeks or a few months. It takes years to build a reputation like that. It takes time. It takes effort to build a reputation, to be a person like that. I love the Apostle Paul. It didn't matter to him whether people accepted him and later rejected him, if he poured out his life for them and they turned on him, spoke against them. It didn't matter to him. He just wanted to serve. He just wanted to serve them. Listen to his words in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, for the love of Christ compels me. He says, no, no person can pull me back. No person's going to disappoint me that I poured my life into. I've given so much and seems like I got so little in return. Pour so much into my family and seem like I got so little in return. Nobody's going to disappoint me and pull me back. He says, no man can hold me back because of the love of Christ pulls me forward. He says, I'm compelled in my spirit. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We serve the Lord, and in doing so, we serve people. 2 Corinthians 12, 15, quite a verse. Apostle Paul said, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. But he said, that doesn't deter me. You love me more than you do now? You were more concerned about me before than now? He said, that doesn't, that doesn't stop me at all. He says, you might think I'm disappointed or deterred. I'm not. He said, the love of Christ. He said, I am so full of the love of Christ to help people that I am willing to spend and be spent no matter the reaction, no matter the acceptance or the response. I'm there out of the love of Christ to minister and bless people. And then we have 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain. It has eternal result. It has eternal reward. And it has reward in this life. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm here to encourage your good works tonight, people of God. Keep going. Keep sewing and knitting. Keep giving out backpacks. Keep giving out food. Keep comforting people. Keep encouraging them. Keep blessing them. The Lord of heaven looks down. He says, that's the kind of people I want. Luke, get that message into the book. You put the life of Dorcas. You put her life into the book. Gazelle, arise. Let's have the worship department come. You know how it is? Dorcas, sewing, knitting, tailoring, making sure garments fit and dresses fit and what size does your child need and pouring out her life, serving, serving. Then a miracle. You know when you're serving the Lord from time to time? You get a miracle. And many people believe on the Lord. Going along day after day, 
nothing fancy here, nothing so flashy here, just sewing away, sewing away. Let's see how many people do I have on my list. Who do I have to cover today? Who do I have to bless today? I know a mother and her children, they need help. Sewing away, sewing away. But you know, from time to time, you get a miracle. And Dorcas got a miracle. And the power of God and the testimony of the Lord went forth. And many came to the Lord. So be encouraged tonight. Keep serving. From time to time, you'll get a miracle. And the name of the Lord will be exalted. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, tonight we stand in your presence. Once again, we understand how important good works are. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Not just human acts of kindness. Anybody can do that. These are Christian acts of kindness. They have Christ in them. They're done for Christ. They have the message of Christ. They have the gospel love. They have the gospel power in them that changes lives and blesses people and lifts them up so they can progress and have joy of faith. And so we thank you, Lord. Whatever our assignments are, Help us to serve in our homes, good works in our homes, full of good works in our homes. To help our husband, to help our wife, to help our children. Pouring out, Lord. Pouring out for needy people, pouring out for the saints. Abundant in good works, rich in good works. Filled with the fruit of God. And so we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Lord, you know, sometimes we get weary in our serving. But you're there to strengthen us and lift us up, Lord. Give us the feet of a deer. Let us be like the gazelles on the mountain for you. You're our great David. You're our great king. We serve you. Help us to run with all our might and strength, Lord, with quickness, with lightness on our feet to extend your kingdom and build your glorious name and your inheritance in our families, in our lives, in the earth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.